This is the John Oakley Show podcast. As we move forward, I think these are all topics worthy of discussion. Topics worthy of discussion. All right, let's get started on the panel part of the program. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. As per usual, every midweek Wednesday, Ernie Eves weighing in, a former premier and finance minister. How's Ernie? I'm fine. How are you, John? <laughs> Good, too. And Dan Moulton, vice president of government relations at Crestview Strategy, a liberal strategist and media commentator. Dan, how about you? I'm doing great, John. Yeah, both social distancing, being responsible adults here? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I just thought for a well, second there sounded like only 50% of the panel was responding. So uh, I wondered if maybe there was an outlier or somebody who wasn't exactly adhering to the rules and recommendations. You know, a lot of folks are getting antsy. Even uh, Tory, the uh, mayor, was saying earlier today, five weeks in, he understands. But we still need these social distancing rules. Let me ask you first, Ernie. I mean, are these two... Uh, maybe draconian because some people are protesting in Detroit today. They had a protest on uh, the social distancing people in their cars. They didn't get out of their cars, mind you. Uh, <laughs> but elsewise, we're hearing myriad stories of folks who have been ticketed by bylaw enforcement officers for things that they thought, you know, were pretty harmless and casual, like a family rollerblading out in Oakville. They got a ticket for 880 bucks. Another guy sits on a park bench to have a smoke in the beaches. He gets ticketed. Uh, so we're hearing these kinds of, is that still appropriate to really come down hard zero tolerance or should there be more discretion shown by these bylaw enforcement officers well you always have to have some discretion i mean police officers have discretion every day whether they're you know pulling you over for speeding or whatever i mean there are certain actions though that certainly wouldn't qualify for letting somebody off i think we all know what we're supposed to do i mean i think if you've been following any of this and i don't know how you can help but not follow it Every day, you know that you're not supposed to use equipment in parks. You know that you're not supposed to sit down on benches in parks. You know that you're not supposed to use, as the lawyer apparently didn't know, the chin-up bars in parks, because it's all a potential way of you infecting somebody else. And you can argue all the legal technicalities you want. Do you want to help prevent this thing, or don't you? Yes or no. I mean, nobody said it was easy. It isn't easy. Everybody's being inconvenienced one way or another, some far more seriously than others, for example, by losing their job and their income. But we all have to do what we can do. Yeah, but the story you cited was, uh, I guess there was a lawyer who was doing chin-ups on a chin-up bar in a park, and he got a ticket for it. And he's a criminal defense lawyer. He says he's going to fight this on constitutional grounds. Uh, Dan, I mean, uh, is this too draconian an application of the law? And do you think maybe the guy's got a point to fight this legally? Well, look, I think that discretion is required, as Ernie says, in a lot of cases to ensure that the law isn't being used to punish people that are in a vulnerable position to begin with. So, you know, certainly homeless people or are people that are in more vulnerable uh, you know, parts of society, we should be using some discretion around that and making sure that those people at least have uh, homes to go to. Because I think the one thing we can all agree on throughout this uh, period of solid isolation is there's a real class divide about how people, people who get to work from home and continue to earn an income and have nice houses to stay in versus people that don't have a home at all. Right. So I think some discretion is needed there. 
Where I don't think discretion is as much needed is middle-class families or middle-class people that decide to go out and use park amenities despite them being closed, right? I mean, those people got the message pretty clearly. You go around town, you see the parks, there's uh, caution tape taping off those park amenities saying you can't use them. If you're violating those laws, then you deserve to get a ticket. All right. Speaking of the class divide, I'm kind of interested in this one because uh, let's just say the premier in Quebec says uh, nobody's traveling into Quebec from Ontario. And yet on the weekend, the prime minister, Ernie, goes to his residence there to join the wife and three kids in Harrington Lake. I mean, what's the perception that the public ought to have about this? Are there rules for the elites and not for the others, the great unwashed, the, you know, operate under a different set of assumptions what did you make of that and sheer as well taking that plane exactly i think both the prime minister and the leader of the opposition sent the wrong message here they are you know telling people that they have to stay home they have to adhere to social distancing guidelines not to go to your cottage but it's all right for the prime minister to go to his his cottage (laughs) i mean it's just ridiculous and then you have sheer who's just as bad if not worse getting on a plane, you know, with uh, two other MPs, Elizabeth May and Carla Quantrell, and he Mm. brings his wife and five kids on a plane that only seats nine people. Obviously, you can't practice social distancing in those quarters. So whether they should have had two planes, I don't know, but it doesn't send the right message. Look, I get what both of them are trying to do. The prime minister you know, has been separated from his family. He's operating out of Ottawa. They're in Harrington Lake. He wants to join them for Easter. I get it, but he's telling everybody else not to do that, but I can do it because I'm the prime minister. And the same thing with Sheer. Everybody's telling everybody to practice social distancing, to keep your distance, etc. but I can get on a plane with eight other people that seats nine. There's no rhyme or reason, and you're sending... The message that these laws, these these, you know, suggestions do not apply to me, for the rest of the unwashed public, but not for us. We're important. Well, what is it, Dan? I mean, does he show himself? This is the prime minister now, because the other guy, I mean, he's a lame duck. Lame ducks shouldn't fly as a rule. Uh, but is he tone deaf? <laughs> The, the prime minister, I mean, uh, you know, the perception being built around this. I mean, you're part of a. You know, a strategy uh, for the liberal uh, government, whomever. But, you know, somebody's got to get to him and say, this just doesn't wash. Is nobody talking to this guy about this kind of stuff? It's very pedestrian, but that's the stuff that really trips you up. Yeah, you know, I, obviously, you're, you're absolutely right. These sort of small issues do uh, carry a lot of weight, and they're easily digestible and understood when we talk about them. Uh, I, I will say, you know, the prime minister was a very early leader in this idea of, self-isolation and social distancing. One of the reasons is that I think we as a country were so quick to adopt a lot of these policies and these rules uh, were because uh, his wife experienced an infection of the virus so early in this outbreak in Canada uh, and went into self-isolation. And then he was working from home. And so we, we all kind of learned about this uh, because of that experience. And I think all immediately related to the idea, well, if it can affect the prime minister and his family, it can affect anybody's family, right? And so I, I, I will say, I, I think that they obviously have led throughout this process, led by example in many ways. Should he have gone to his uh, his, his other residence uh, down the road in Ottawa? I, you know what? I, I I'm not sure it's uh, it was the best idea in that it set them off off message. But I think we can all relate to the fact that he wanted to spend uh, Easter with his wife and kids, who he does live in the same house with. 
it's a little bit different than going to visit your in-laws for so a does that mean everybody in Toronto that has a cottage in Muskoka or Halliburton or Kawartha's is entitled to go there on the weekend? I guess it does. Because he's well, not you know, obviously the premier. You know what? You're, you're, you're right, Ernie. The premier has certainly asked people not to go to their cottages for the weekends because it does put a strain on uh, local services like grocery stores and could put a strain on local health care. I don't think the prime minister and his family were at risk of putting that strain on anyone in the, in the community. Uh, but I, I, I get the point. Well, I don't understand why his wife and three kids don't come back into Ottawa. So he doesn't have to go into Quebec and break Premier League's uh, rules. But <laughs> well, I don't think there was any rules about traveling to Quebec. The, certainly, the bridge in Gatineau, I know, has, was uh, was shut down. Uh, but uh, I don't think there were any particular restrictions on on, on uh, any travel at all. No, no, Legault, Legault imposed those, and he had people enforcing them. Uh, but you know, Ernie, let me ask you: Remember back in the day? Way back in the day, uh, Bob Ray took, I guess it was a government chopper to his cottage on Rideau right. Lakes. Right. And uh, everybody was in a tizzy over that, rightly or wrongly. Well, look, at, I understand him <laughs> wanting to get from point A to point B. And everybody knows, or at least anybody that's been in politics for any period of time, knows the pressure that the job entails. And personally, you know, I did not begrudge Bob Ray the, the uh, going to his cottage by helicopter, although you have to, you know, sit back and say, well, what are our leaders entitled to, be they premiers or prime ministers? What services can we expect that we have to deliver? I think Canadians, generally speaking, are far more, what's the right word, restrictive in this opinion than, say, our friends to the South. Um, there is no residence, for example, for the Ontario Premier. I'm not suggesting there should be. But um, Americans wouldn't even think twice about that. Um, American governors and presidents spend all kinds of government money traveling from here to there, and nobody seems to bat an eye. But in Canada, they do seem to think that this isn't proper or appropriate. Let me me ask you something, Ernie, uh, just came up because... Andrew Scheer, you know, taking that plane, uh, he wants everybody, all parliamentarians, to get on a plane as of Monday and come back and hold, I guess it wouldn't be everybody, they just need a quorum of maybe uh, 20 or something like that. It's a relatively small number. I don't know what it is, but they want to hold a regular parliament, and the government, basically, Justin Trudeau is saying, no, no, we're okay to do it virtually, and uh, Scheer's response to the opposition is, no, no, we've got to have a question period where we can hold your feet to the fire. Uh, who's right on this one? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a reduced parliamentary session when it needs to happen for specific. But, but live, done in real time, live. People fly back and go to Ottawa for it. Yes, but not not 338 people. No, I no, mean, but they, uh, whatever they, the quorum is. They've been is. doing it with a re- reduced number, right, of about uh, what 35 or 40 people, and I think that's. That's appropriate. I don't think it has to happen, shouldn't happen every day under these circumstances. But when there's specific legislation or policies to be approved, I can see where it's useful to have it happen. And we are in a, you know, a parliamentary democracy. Right. I mean, he was very adamant about the live component because then they get to grill or challenge, you know, whatever the government's coming out with. Dan, how about you? I mean, or can this all be done virtually? Well, I think that it's a bit uh, out of touch to suggest that it can't be done virtually. Everybody else is working from home. I think that our parliamentarians could probably figure out a way to do that, too. I I, I will say I agree with Ernie. I think it makes sense for Parliament to sit 
uh, when it needs to during this time of crisis to approve uh, uh, policies that are you know, being presented by the government, uh, particularly large economic packages like the ones we've seen uh, that are unprecedented in their nature. It's important the Parliament has a chance to debate and approve those uh, pieces of legislation which they have been doing. I don't think it's necessary for Parliament to sit every day so that the opposition can try and score cheap political points. Uh, we're not seeing that being called for anywhere else, certainly not here in Ontario. Uh, it's, it's certainly just not a top priority right now, I think, in terms of uh, a need to have the Parliament sitting every day. I think every few weeks makes sense. Uh, but every day, it's just getting a bit outrageous, I think. I, I agree. All right, but, but are we still in agreement that you need to do it in person? Dan, you're saying you can work around it, do it virtually. I, I don't know. Then why is Sheer being so adamant about this being done in the House where they've actually got access to people across the aisle and they can ask them questions? You can't do that virtually, I don't think, can you? Well, I'm sure you could find a way, right? I mean, you, there, certainly there are probably methods for us to consider uh, different than our regular course of a question period. You, know, you look to the United Kingdom where they have prime minister's questions once a week. Uh, perhaps there's a forum in which we could do that. But uh, at this point in time, I don't think anyone's calling for the parliament to sit for this purpose. Uh, and I think it's kind of rich to be coming from uh, a guy who is a member of a government that prorogued parliament to avoid a conference vote. Wow, uh, you're going way back now. <laughs> oh, yeah, way back. You'd never go way back. I'm sure well, Johnny was... McDonald is responsible for this. <laughs> I think that was circa 2009, wasn't it? Uh, that was during the last crisis. You know, I get the point. First of all, I agree with Dan. We don't. There is no need to sit every day just so the opposition can question the government. I couldn't agree more. Uh, right, should well. only have to sit when there are specific things that have to be done and passed. I agree with that. But I do think there is some benefit in being there in person and having question period. It's why don't we just do all court trials by, by video conference then? Why do you have the right to cross-examine a witness, for example, or question a witness in person? Um, there, there's a value to having the person there, you being able to look them in the eye, and get a straight answer. Well, that last part could be uh, tenuous well, even yeah, at the okay. best of times. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Parliament by Zoom, I get it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.